the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And it's so great to be with our listeners and back together with you, Abigail. And she brought me a Starbucks today. So I am just in heaven that I have my flat white with me. Um, you know, now that we're entering in this cold weather. Yeah, I got to tell you, everybody in Minnesota, our amazing guest today uh, may spark some envy within you because I believe, he'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, he is based in Florida. So uh, <laughs> there's that. So oh, I'll boy. be really thinking about that yes. in the background, but we are so excited to have Dennis Dinoa in the studio with us today. So he is actually the founder of Mr. D. Math. It's hmm. an online math program. Um, I had a chance to check it out. It is so cool. Um, it really, he's got a lot of great stuff and we cannot wait to hear more about it. So Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here. And yeah, a couple of things. So first of all, just the fact that you're playing Pink Floyd, you know, another brick in the wall of music to get started. That's super cool, right? I love that. It's um, the, the best, isn't is, it? Yeah, I know. Oh, this is so great, right? Um, that's my generation when I was growing up. So, you know, so remember well. Um, and uh, so I grew up in Florida and our office was based in Florida, but I'm actually even further south now of Florida. And our offices, our home office is based in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So oh. not to make your, yeah, not to make your. So what you're no saying way. is it would really really benefit me to come down and yeah, visit I think in we should person. be doing a live show from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Rebecca, I'll be pitching that <laughs> real soon. <laughs> My yeah, husband and I have an anniversary too, coming right? up. Maybe yes. we could come. <laughs> and I mean, he doesn't mind if I come along oh, too, yeah. right? Because yeah. Yeah. that would bring, be rude to talk about it without bringing me. Too, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. When well, you live in Minnesota, you have yes. to grasp at Anything once, to get through the next six months. Especially once it hits November 1st. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, we oh, and we're here. Okay. just hit November 1st. Yes, yes. we did. Not mm-hmm. long ago. So there we go. <laughs> All righty. Well, um, I do want to point out that not only... Oh, you had two things you wanted to point out. Puerto Rico. And then what was the second thing you wanted to say? Oh, the second thing was the music. I love the music. Oh, so that's right. That was that's it, right. right. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget that? 
Um, So one of the things I did want to point out is that you hold a master's degree in education from the University of South Florida and that you actually have had a um, secondary math teacher certificate since 1988. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a person who had a lot of previous experience prior to you becoming Mr. D math. And so I think we're kind of curious about what led you, you know, you started out as a secondary math teacher, I assume, and did that for quite a while. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background and then how you ended up starting this program. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is it. I'm celebrating 35 years in education. Wow. Isn't that wow. amazing? Right? Yes. Congratulations. I know. And if you saw me, you'd be like, how could he be doing that for so long? He must have started when he was like nine. But it's not just, right? So, right? <laughs> so you look yeah, young. Years. That's right, right? I'm so young. It's all good. So, yeah, so I was a classroom teacher, um, and I was a classroom teacher for a long time. Um, you know, one of the things about being a classroom teacher was I – yeah, I always wanted to, um, well, there's two things. The first thing, first thing I would probably share is that as a classroom teacher, I did what a lot of classroom teachers did, especially because I was working in Florida, which was at three o'clock every day, I went out to my second job. So we didn't get paid yeah. very well as yep. classroom teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Especially back then. Yeah. And so my second job just turned out to be more teaching. And I, so I started a, a, a small tutoring business that really took off. And, you know, for me, the tutoring piece of it was, you know, if you think about people and if if your listeners, if they've ever been classroom teachers, especially middle school and high school, you know, you tend to teach one subject and you might teach the same subject content. Like if you're a math teacher, you might have three algebra classes and a geometry class or two, Mm -hmm. Um, but you're kind of stuck in that, in that framework, right? Mm -hmm. In tutoring, Mm -hmm. I was able to see all kinds of students. So I was seeing the first and second graders, the fifth graders, the middle school kids, the high school kids, the ones that were struggling, the ones that weren't, kids that were getting into college and they were bringing everything. And so for me, you know, over the course of my teaching career, I really got trained as a teacher by being a tutor because in the tutoring, it was, it was a lot of one-on-one. And so I really could hear what kids were struggling with mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. really shaped me as a teacher. Mm. So in um, the other, the other piece about being a public school teacher is, you know, the money wasn't great, but I think the other thing that happens is that, you know, as a classroom teacher, we're kind of, we're kind of stuck. Like we've got to do what the district says and you're, you know, that's it. So mm-hmm. the idea of to be self-expressed, to have your own ideas, to be able to create something that you think will make a difference. Well, you know, you know, that's not really going to go well in the public school system. And mm-hmm. so in 2008, uh, I started Mr. D math as a company and I took all the tutoring experience I had. I took the classroom experience that I had, but I started creating and working with creating videos and it actually started based on a, a homeschool mom that I was doing some tutoring with her son. And she said to me, she goes, you know, she goes, I just listened to you explain this lesson that her son was working on. She goes, why don't you just write your own book? And I was like, mm. uh, we'd love to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, right about that time, I discovered that a way to do video editing and to record videos that allowed me to start doing that. So I started recording. It took me um, the better part of five years to record the first wow. five courses and uh, we put it, got it all online, and we started from pre-algebra up through pre-calculus, and we've added many more courses. And in fact, we've actually added some courses beyond that now that are on our education platform. Hmm. Um, but that's kind of how I got going, and I, so I started in uh, you know working with uh, 
homeschoolers. We work with um, several charter schools that are public schools that are based in California that hmm. they have them set up as personalized learning programs. So oh. kids are still working from home, but they're part of a charter school. So we still interact with public schools. Um, so we still kind of hear what's, you know, what's happening. But and it's from the you know, world of California, which is yeah. a right than the rest of the world. Yes. Right? So, yes. And they yeah, often so. want to teach math incorrectly mm-hmm. out there, too. They've kind of gone back and forth over the years, just like they have it's with pretty, reading. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Some yeah. of the things we've seen and some of the trends and, you know, and, it, and it's just, you know, it's like uh, the good news for me is that, you know, math is it's. It, it's still math, and I know people have kind of Yay. thought about some different ways to do hey, it. Wait, we got to stop you for a second. Did up, you right? really yeah. just say math is still math? Like, <laughs> math is still it's math. just so refreshing. It is so it refreshing. Is. <laughs> it really is. Here's, here's the good news: the quadratic formula is still the quadratic Yay. formula. And is, will fair. you please tell me that two plus two is still four? It is. Now, okay, now I, and I have to tell you something really funny about that, right? Because, you know, oftentimes people say, you know, and they come up with, um, they come up with all these weird things and they say stuff, right? Yeah. I could actually argue, believe it or not, I could actually argue and say that two plus two is 10. It's possible, but you have to change the base from a base 10 counting system to another base counting system, like base five, right? Where, you know, you got to change the digits and what's possible. So, you know, where we can actually talk about that thing, you know, it, okay, yeah. So, you know, but there was a lot of weird things that happened. And, you know, here's the thing that I saw. And, uh, you know, because I, I really look, because, you know, we're seeing young people and they're like, I don't understand this. And, you know, this is, the, you know, and they, um, so, uh, you know, we have, um, you know, it, as, as being a classical, uh, you know, classical program, right? There's mm-hmm, a, yeah. there's a really cool curriculum out there called classical conversations, yep, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I'd always tell people and I'm speaking at conventions and, and things like that. And I said, you know, so I'm going to use these letters and I just want you to know when I use these letters that I'm using them, uh, this way, when I say the letter CC, I want you to think that I'm referring to classical conversations, not that other CC, which people know as common core, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, you know, so now we get the kids and they would bring things in. And it, this is just, and again, this is my opinion, right? But I, I think that the idea of what they were trying to do was they were trying to introduce things, kind of looking at math from an algebraic point of view. Mm-hmm. The thing they forgot, uh, and, they re- and this was really overlooked, and I don't know why it was overlooked, but it really was, was that you're introducing higher level thinking math skills where you're trying to implement it with yes. a lower, you know, yes. lower grade curriculum. And you're doing it with teachers that have no background in higher level math. That's exactly right. And I love, I love that you just said that. And, and this is actually something that's been my criticism of common core math for a long time is that, and it's actually not just happening in math. It's happening in a lot of subjects. The idea is, well, if we're not developing critical thinkers, cause this is what all the businesses and colleges are telling us, well, then we just have to start bringing critical thinking down into the elementary school years. Well, they're not cognitively capable exactly. of critical thinking yes. and yet at yet and so you have to set that foundation that's what those lower school years are for and it's true for every subject including math so it's it's wonderful to hear you say that and of course parents don't always understand that either they just think well, gosh, my child is already doing some algebra and he's only in fourth grade and they think it's so amazing. <laughs> but then they wonder, you know, why is my child not understanding math or why does he hate math? And, right. it's, it, you know, it's it's because they haven't been given the foundational tools to be successful. So I'm so glad you pointed that out. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, an, it's an important point. 
So, Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to a curriculum, which okay. is Saxon Math. Yes, yes! You know, that. I know. I know there's <laughs> oh a lot of Saxon Math people out there. Except now I'm ha- hanging my head in shame that I just shouted in enthusiasm for math. Yeah. Yeah. I know. My life has changed know? a lot over the past <laughs> What? Oh my gosh! No, because you know, we got Spencer the in the window there. Also, quick, turn down the sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Spencer. Classical mo- that's okay. Classical model. The kids are looking at when they're younger. A lot of memorization, you know. And and Saxon is really great for that, right? Yes. It's really great for that yes. and the repetition and yep. going back and you know and working through and spiraling and all the things that they do, which is really awesome. And you know, oh. now our programs start in middle school and go middle school up. And the thing that I noticed for young people is that, you know, as they get older, one of the things that happen is, you know, they, they see a new concept and they are interested in the new concept. But then when they're doing, you know, extra problems that are reviewing everything they already did, they get upset and they get frustrated. And teenagers are grumpy already. Mm-hmm. And no need to make them grumpier, right? By right. saying, hey, let's go back and do a bunch of extra practice. But the cool thing about math as you get into the middle school and high school years is that the review and the things that we're practicing is all built in. So we want them coming with that knowledge base that they come when they do a program like Saxon, when they get started, when they're little in that first, second, third grade, and they're memorizing things so that we can take what they memorized. And then, like you said earlier, right, applying the critical thinking. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. we love having that. Like we love having them come into our program, having that kind of a background so that we can get into critical thinking with them, but do it at a level where the brains are ready for it. And they've got some background where they can see something that they memorized. And now we're going to look at well, now what can you do with that? Now that you have that information and mm-hmm. you can recall it, now what can we do with it? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's why I make that shout out. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, and for us, it's like we, we do pick up after after they get to that middle school grade and then that's where we want them. Yeah. You know, I don't want us to go too far off our topic because I want you to have the opportunity to talk more about the actual program. But as we're listening or as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about why Saxon works and, um, you know, just what the common core math was doing and why it wasn't working. And I know you said, I don't know why they overlooked this. And I would just like to posit that what I have seen in education myself as I'm a um, speech pathologist by training. So cognitive development is a huge part of my training. And what seems to me is that education doesn't take into consideration the cognitive development of the child. It's like they kind of have their own ideas of what works and what doesn't work. They say it's research-based, although I don't think it's based in neurological science, which is what cognitive research is based in. And when you overlook how a child learns, it's going to affect everything. And it, you know, you're going to be throwing out curriculum that just simply doesn't work. And I, I do find it mind-boggling that there isn't more emphasis on how does a child actually learn? And we're seeing that now with reading, where they're mm-hmm. finally starting yes. to wake up as to how a child learns to read and insist on a phonics-based approach, um, even though for some reason that was considered political for a while. And so I guess the point I'm making is it just seems that cognitive development has kind of been cast aside in the education world, and it really needs to be brought back front and center. Um, how do kids learn? Mm-hmm. And then that's how we need to set up our curriculums is based on how they actually learn. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, in defense of public schools, right, because I came from that world, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you do that in a public school classroom, right? How do you do that where you have 35 kids in the class and 
you got 35 kids, you got 35 different learning styles, maybe maybe a group of 10 here, a group of 10 there, right? That they mm-hmm. learn the same way. You've got a you've got a teacher that has a particular learning style, and most teachers teach from their learning style. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be a student that can hear that learning style, awesome. If you're not, it may not be so awesome. And so, you know, even even that, it's like looking at, you know, how do you deliver something? Like you just said, it's like actually gets personalized. And mm-hmm. how can you create something that works for the individual when we're not set up that way? Yeah. You know, where the classroom's not set up that way in, in the public schools. And, you know, I, I know a lot of the private schools are, are really digging in and they're finding ways to, you know, to work with kids to identify their learning styles so that they can, they can look and see. And I was very much aware of that when I was creating programs. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, how do I, how do I interact with everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, cause that was, uh, that was a big deal. It was like, I can't just do what I would, the way that I would do it, the way that I would learn. I got to speak to everybody. Right. That is so important. I agree with you. And, you know, I, yeah, I would just say that I don't think it was just public schools. I think that education in general, I, I'm talking kind of like globally. Um, but I agree, the more you can personalize, you know, and, and help a child, um, individually, of course, that's great. And that is easier to do in a private school setting. I, I agree with you on that completely. Um, well, why don't you talk to us a little bit more about the actual program? Because it sounds like you have some amazing techniques and things that you've learned over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yes. maybe just talk to us a little bit about, talk to our listeners, I should say, about that. Yeah. Well, at, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. In the early 90s, uh, I decided to get that that graduate degree. So I wanted to go back to school and get my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I, you know, looked at what, what was required for the different programs. And I was looking at, do I get a master's degree in math, which is going to have a ton of homework. And I was already working as a teacher <laughs> and I was working as a tutor in the afternoon. I'm like, man, that just seems like a lot of work. To me. <laughs> Plus I'm already pretty good at math. So I don't know. I want to do that. And actually what I did was my, my background and my, my graduate work was in counseling and psychology. And oh, I went really? to the, uh, went the counseling round. Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, for me, it was like, well, I'm actually interested in how people learn and what are they thinking? You know, so, you know, I tell people, it's like, oh, yeah, you got a math guy that's going to get in your head. Watch out. Here we mm-hmm. go. Right. Yep. Um, but it really was for me, that's what really shaped and you know really had me look to see how can I actually interact with learning styles. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about interacting with learning styles, it was like I had a, I had a background and I had some context and some places to create from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so our programs have always been designed around, it, this is going to sound kind of funny for a math guy to say that, you know, the most important thing in our world, in the math world is language. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we see over and over again that kids, um, you know, they tend, they tend to be able to do the math. They just don't know what they're being asked to do. Yes. And so we've really focused on the language. And I think the other part is that there was a kind of a norm and where it was like, you know, when you come into the class, you know, and especially in college, like you come into the college classroom and, you know, and, and the teacher's like, well, you're going to have to get to my level and you're going to have to rise to where I am. <laughs> and I thought about that and I thought, it's really dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no offense, college professors, yeah. but it mm-hmm. just didn't make sense because why would I, they're already coming in. They already don't know the language. Why in the world would I use language that are words they haven't even heard of? Right. What if I could actually write curriculum that was in a young language mm-hmm. and I use words that they have heard and then how we can apply them to math. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done with the course. So we do a lot of work with definitions. And it's funny because our students, they come back and they're like, oh, that, was, that wasn't hard. And they tell mm-hmm. us all the time, you know, things that, that make sense. And it's like, great, because that's what we want. And they yeah. we hear often, it's like, that finally makes sense to me. 
you know, and you wonder, well, why does it finally make sense to them? Because we wrote it in a language that they understand. We're talking mm-hmm. to them in their language as opposed to trying to get them to jump to ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the thing. We use, we use video instruction. We have printable materials that they can print out. They print it right from the Internet, so we don't have to ship them anything. It's just something that they can, uh, they can print out. And, and then they have something they can write on. Um, everything else is online where they take their quizzes and, and all their chapter tests and things. They do all that online. And so it's a web-based program so that they can log in. And, you know, the kids that are, uh, you know, they're, they're traveling and they're going somewhere like, oh, I can't do math today because, you know, I can't bring my book or I can't bring mm-hmm. my computer. That's okay. Turn your phone on because you've got internet on your phone. You can do your math, right? So, you know, because it's web-based, they, they can actually access the course from anywhere, anytime, as long as they have an internet connection. Mm-hmm. And um, is it is a it, lot of time with that, with the curriculum and how to develop it, that we could reach the multiple learning styles so they can see it, they can hear it, they can write on it, touch it. We wanted to get everybody included. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, I think the term is synchronous versus asynchronous. And yes. So we're both. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe define yeah. what those terms are. Speaking of defining terms, why don't you define those terms for our listeners so that they know yeah, what you're talking yeah, about? I, you know, and it's so funny because I always, you know, they always go back and forth, and you know, to try to remember all that. Basically, here's, you know, a course that is you do at your own pace, right? Mm-hmm. That you just, you do and you go asynchronous is that you're just saying, okay, uh, you know, I want to do it at my own pace. I want to put my own schedule together. And what we, we provide parents with is we provide them with a pacing guide. So we, we created a 34-week school year. And you can start whenever it works for you. And then you can go as fast or slow as you want. Um, but we have the synchronous side. So we do live classes for young people. So if they want to come in and they want to meet with a teacher once a week, and so we've trained our teachers. Our teachers are awesome, but they're, one of the reasons they're awesome is because they were willing to go through a two-year training program with me before they started teaching our live classes. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool that we do that. Yeah, that um, is. So the kids, yeah. yeah, they meet us once a week online, and, and, then, uh, and then they have all the curriculum with pre-recorded videos that they can go back to and they can go back and work with them. So they can do it either way. We'll guide them and we'll take them through, you know, start in August and we end in May or parents can start at any time. Young people, actually parents order the course. Young people can start at any time because they're the ones doing the course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it works. So we do both and we allow both. And then we provide something that is uh, that is fairly unique in our industry. And that is that three days a week, we have, we have things set up for students where they can come in. And some people call it like office hours. Yep. Um, we call them help sessions, right? Mm-hmm. So we have them come in so they can log in by whatever course they're in and we have a couple of times set aside each day that the kids can come in and they meet with one of our teachers and they can come in and ask questions too so they come in in small groups and there's like six to eight kids that come in and it's great for them because oftentimes a young person has a question and the next young person had the same question right and it's like oh my gosh now i understand right so you know we always we always like hear that i think for kids too to know that they're not the only ones with that question is really reinforcing. Yeah. You know, it's something that gives them some confidence. It's yes. like, wow, I'm not in this alone. You know, so, so we mm-hmm. like, you're like not the only one that felt unclear right. about whatever, whatever the concept was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and I did have one quick question. I did, um, when we were talking about your kind of your mission and your goal, one thing that really stood out to me it's on your website it's also though um in the book that you wrote um creating independent you're so um if the, for our listeners sorry mm-hmm. didn't preface that well <laughs> um you know we are speaking with an author mm-hmm. he wrote teach creating independently responsible learners and i thought that there was such a cool overlap with that with that goal with again obviously we're huge proponents of classical education here that's the goal of classical education is learning for learning's sake. And mm-hmm. I would just love to kind of hear a little bit about 
in the midst of all of these things, you decided also to write a book and kind of, I'd love to know more, a, a little, just a little bit about it. Yeah. Right. You did that well, from midnight you know, to 3 a.m. every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Well, you know, and my staff and my family, they all make fun of me because it's like, because what I wanted to do is I really, I really, this all started out was I wanted to empower my staff to take on more responsibility inside the company. Right. Mm. And so it was going to, free me up with, you know, more time to just kind of have, have some extra time to do things. You know, I don't know. I, I thought maybe playing golf, but that's really <laughs> was a bad idea, you know? Uh, and so what happens when you get more free time? Well, you just think of more fun things to do. So this I just so sounds I like, I don't, I don't, I don't know anyone ago. like that at all. I'm not sitting in the same room as anyone like that at all. <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, you could ask my husband yeah. and family the same question and they would... Maybe they would agree with you, Abigail. <laughs> I'm right. sure they would because I, I like you know, to be they, right. Yeah, yeah. And my kids are just like, "Oh, seriously, Dad, you know you're just going to work more." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what we're going to do, right?" So, but you know, it's interesting because I think back in the very first chapter of the book um, is actually led to something that we do with our students in our course, and it really it's amazing how it works. Um, so, the very first chapter is about what I call an accidental discovery, and. You know, I was uh, in 1988, I got sent to a alternative education program. So I was in my late 20s, you know, kind of a young guy. And mm-hmm. I was like every other new teacher that came out. Right. I was going to change the world. That was <laughs> big. That was what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, they sent me to a dropout prevention program on a vocational campus, all adult campus with this one uh pack of about 150 uh, high school kids that this was their last stop. And this was back in the late eighties in, uh, in Clearwater, Florida. And, you know, as I got there, I was like, I really was like, I'm going to change, you know, I'm going to make a difference for these kids and we're going to do it with math, you know, well, <laughs> maybe I had a little stars in the eyes about how that was going to go. And here's what happened. You know, I spent the whole first semester with the, with the kids and I would, you know, have them, you know, we do practice problems. They work in class in the practice problems. They have some homework. And at the end of the week, I'd want them to, you know, give me everything that they'd done. I was going to go home and I was going to review everything. And I was going to, you know, grade all their papers and write all the notes I could write and then come back and bring it back to them. And here's what would happen. I would do that. I'd spend all day Sunday, you know. Now, Sunday's football day. I know you've got Vikings fans out there, right? <laughs> yep, so, that's uh, right. Hey, just at my fantasy football team, I do have Justin Jefferson this year. On my oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. He comes back soon, right? But, <laughs> that's but, right. Uh, yeah, but... You know, so I would spend all day Sunday, I'd grade all these papers, I'd come back, you know, hand it back to the kids, and they all did the same thing. It was amazing. They would, they, you know, I'd hand them the paper, they'd look at me, they'd look at their paper, they'd see the grade, they'd look back at me, and they'd put it under their desk. And they would not open it up. They wouldn't look at all the notes, notes that, that I you wrote. wrote. You know. Right, yeah. Right, you know, all that time. Things, all, that, all that stuff, right? And so I did that for a whole semester and I thought, no, no, I'm going to get through them. I'm going to get through them. Well, football season ended. Right. And I was like, what am I going to do? All day, I can't watch football. So I came up with this really interesting idea. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an experiment. And I came back to class in, in January and I said to the kids, I said, look, these are high school kids, you know, yeah. dropout prevention, high school kids. It's kind of their last stop. And I said, you guys, you know what? The odd answers are in the back of the book. I'm going to assign you the odd practice problems. You grade it yourself. And then let me know what your grade is. Hmm. And it was more out of frustration than anything yeah. else for myself. Yeah. The weirdest thing happened, you know, because in a traditional math book and the odd answers are in the back of the book, it's just the answer. It's not how to do it. Right. And all of a sudden, these kids are grading their own work. Some of them were like, well, what if I just tell you I made 100? I said, if that's what you want to do, I said, and then, you know, at the end of the week, if we take a quiz and you don't do well, we're going to have a conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, you know, that kind of thing, right? Um, but what was happening was when they started grading their own work and they got something wrong, 
all of a sudden it was a big deal. Hmm. Wasn't a big deal if I marked it wrong. It was a big deal if they had to mark themselves wrong and then tell me what their grade was. And so they started asking questions. They're like, well, why is this one wrong? Well, I don't know. Bring your paper up here. Let's look and see what happened. You know, because it was always like, well, the book's, maybe the book's wrong. I don't know. Maybe the book's wrong, but let's look. Yes, <laughs> yes the book Next is wrong. I know. Yeah, it's got to be the book. I know. And then, oh, well, the calculator said it was that. So, you know, it can't be right. Anyway, it's just kind of funny. It's the yeah. funny thing the kids say. But, you know, what started happening was kids started asking questions. Mm-hmm. And they got interested in their work. And all of a sudden, everything that I wanted for them by me doing all that work, that I was grading their work, was happening because I had them grade their own work. I love and, it. I love it. Yeah. Yes. And we do that with our practice problems in our math courses today. You know, That's 35 great. years later, I'm still using that same practice. But now the kids have, you know, detailed step by step. Here's how you do the problem. And it yeah. works everything out. Yeah. And we see all the time it's that aha moment. The yeah. kids catch their own mistake. And it does something like you were talking about, the, you know, the brain and how yeah. the brain works, right? Yeah. But when they catch their own mistake and it's in the moment like that, it goes into their long-term memory instead of their short-term memory. As yeah. opposed to, so oh, I got that wrong. Okay, whatever. Wow. So, Dennis, like, oh, I see what I did. Dennis, you are just go. full of exciting. Yet yeah, we are we, we only have just a couple seconds. So, we're just going to say thank you very much for joining us. And we ask you My to take pleasure. a look at your um, website site mrdmath.com three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.